0: Hello and welcome to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. This is a podcast for people who don't want to cry it out but don't necessarily want to wait it out either. So if you're interested in all things responsive and gentle parenting, whether that's day or night, this is the podcast for you. So I hope you're all doing well. Here in the UK, we're coming up to midsummer here so it's really hot. And there are long days and early starts, which means that the sun rose at about 4.30 this morning and I stupidly didn't actually attach the blackout blind in my son's room, which means that I also woke up at about 4.30 this morning to a two year old shouting excitedly, look mummy, look light, (laughs) which was not ideal but here we are. You may also notice that my voice is slightly croakier this week. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I sort of love it, but this is the reality of living with a toddler who goes to nursery. And since various COVID restrictions have been relaxed in the last um, couple of weeks, I just feel like there have been Way more little bugs and viruses floating around the childcare space at the moment and every parent I know has just had a lot of sleepless nights and disruption due to chest infections, ear infections, conjunctivitis and all of those things in between. And I am sadly not immune to all of the bugs that my son brings home, so I've got a rather, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool and sexy, kind of Kathleen Turner vibe voice. But um, yeah, it's not ideal for talking in a podcast, even though I feel fine. Okay, so this week I wanted to talk about a subject I'm really passionate about and fascinated by. So this is possibly the area of parenting that I find maybe tests me the most. Uh, The words separation anxiety actually kind of fill me with, well, anxiety myself. And uh, as a sleep consultant, I find that separation anxiety really impacts so many children's sleep obviously and yet as a society we don't really recognize or acknowledge that or sometimes babies and toddlers that are kind of going through some emotional needs at a time where they need a bit more connection and support from a parent are treated like they've got maybe a problem or they're just too clingy or they just need to toughen up and get more independent and you know, sometimes when I talk to a client and I suggest that perhaps some separation anxiety might be at play, I can sometimes pick up on a nervousness from parents that perhaps they've done something to cause that separation anxiety, although they're worried that their baby is having some form of mental health crisis or is experiencing anxiety in the way that you or I would. And so it's not the best term, and that's actually something that we go into in, in with my guest in this week's episode. And I think a lot of Western society, you know, we we often believe that if we connect too much with a child, if we give them all of that affection and intimacy that they're really craving and demanding, then we will make them more dependent and, and weak and clingy. But actually what we know now is that the opposite is true. So the more we connect, the more we attune to a child's emotional needs, the more independent and resilient they will just naturally gradually become and a part of this process is separation it's a we can't avoid it we don't we shouldn't want to avoid it but it's still really hard to go through and sleep is a form of separation for a little one and children need to learn how to emotionally and physically separate from us and I think it's important to remember that this is a really gradual process that begins in infancy and go, and lasts throughout childhood and throughout into adolescence So when we're super tiny and just born, we do really need to be with a close caregiver at all times. So that's really important. But as we grow and develop, our brains start to understand kind of concepts like object permanence, which basically just means that things still exist even if we don't actually see them and we will start to develop attachment relationships with other caregivers other than our primary caregivers, such as like a mum or a dad. So I'm always fascinated in how sleep is impacted by periods of separation or natural kind of developmental separation anxiety and how that impacts our little ones around bedtime and in the night and you know it's really normal and healthy to find separation hard we want our children to find it difficult to separate from us It's just that it's our job as parents to help our kids through that process and that is something that my guest today explains so brilliantly. So Dr. Marta Deiros Cayada is a clinical psychologist and she's been working with children and families in the NHS and in private practice since 2009. Dr. Marta also currently, um, she offers child, family and parent therapy and runs some fantastic online workshops and webinars which you can find out about via her Instagram and the, um, her account is linked in the show notes. So her webinars are available to purchase now and they cover subjects such as supporting your child when anxiety shows up establishing boundaries with your children um, and shifting your relationship with your teenager so that you feel more connected. And connectedness was something that came up a lot in my chat with Marta. So just on a personal note, I found this conversation so, so helpful just as a mum. I do find separation tricky to navigate with my child. And I know that A lot of that is to do with my own relationship with myself, my own childhood, my own kind of baggage that I'm bringing to the table. Um, But I'm also a pandemic parent and so separating isn't something I've really had to do a lot of with my two-year-old. And I know how important it is to support my son through his kind of big feelings and help him process emotions but yet sometimes I find it too hard and sort of bottle it when it comes to separation so for example I, I always remember there was one weekend when my toddler and my husband and I decided that we'd all go to the park on a Sunday morning and the plan was that my husband would take our little boy to the sandpit for half an hour whilst I would then go and have a quick jog around the park and just have some time for myself so I found it really hard to make time for exercise and I know though that when I move my body for like 20 or 30 minutes and just break a bit of a sweat I just feel so much better for it you know I'm not training for a marathon I'm not going to be on the cover of Women's Health magazine but just for my mental and physical well-being going for a quick run even if I walk most of it and get out of breath, it just feels good. And, you know, I remember at the start of lockdown, I started doing loads of exercise and it really helped with my mental health, Um, especially as it was such an uncertain, strange time for all of us. And at one point I was kind of comfortably running a decent distance, which then lasted about a fortnight. (laughs) And I could say like a year later, I can hardly run for the bus at the end of my road I am so out of shape and it doesn't feel good to be getting out of breath all the time anyway so I thought okay this is great we're gonna go down to the park I'm gonna fit in some exercise I'm gonna take some time for myself and my son loves the sandpit he's very happy playing with his dad and this is just going to be a nice little situation really thought I'd nailed it. But when we got to the sandpit, I started to feel kind of anxious about the goodbye. I just wanted to be able to just run off and do and have that time for myself. You know, I suppose if I'm being really honest with myself, I was starting to resent that I had that I didn't have that freedom anymore. And I just was dreading my son's reaction to the goodbye. And, you know, he seemed fine. He was really distracted by the park and the sand. And so I just bottled it and I slipped away it's really cowardly but honestly I was just a bit grumpy that day I just couldn't be bothered I guess and I dropped the ball even though I knew that that was the the wrong thing to do and as soon as I was gone my husband said that my son just started asking for me looking for me and then got angry and upset that I was gone and he had and he found it hard to process now don't get me wrong I'm not saying that this was a traumatic experience for him I don't think he's had any lifelong or lasting impactful harm here you know parenting and relationships with the children it's all about rupture and repair and fixing things and trial and error and getting it right and getting it wrong and we all make these kinds of little mistakes But what was interesting was that when I came back, he was for the next few days so cuddly with me. So normally my husband and I share bedtime and nap time quite easily and instead my son would only let me put him to sleep. He was really, really like a limpet at times and that's not really like him. So, you know, I learned an important lesson that day and I've been trying to practice better separation ever since. So even if he's been heartbroken, even if he's screamed for me as I've said goodbye, I've tried to hold the space for those difficult emotions of him, but just help him process the goodbye. And you know, we mustn't be, beat ourselves up too much either. Like we really are all learning on the job. And there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So Everyone's learning all the time. And also, he's, he was at an age where separation anxiety was just a thing. So there are definite peaks of separation anxiety that children tend to feel regardless of your setup. So you might be a stay-at-home mum or dad. You might be working five, six days a week and have your child in nursery a lot. Regardless of these situations, children go through separation anxiety and this is something that we can't avoid. So my son at that point he was discovering his own autonomy and his place in the world and you know he wanted to be with me all the time but he also wanted to start having more of his own independence and it's a push-pull thing isn't it and I think even as parents we often feel that push-pull ourselves. So for example I'll never forget that. Day that I dropped my son off at nursery for the first time during the settling process. It was a very strange cocktail of emotions. So, the moment that I kind of left the building, pushing my empty pram, I felt absolute like elation and freedom. And because of lockdown, this was the first time that my son had been looked after by. Anyone other than me or his dad. And he was 16 months old. So we'd spent so much time together in a small flat in central London in lockdown. Like I really needed some space. And my husband had been working from home. So we'd all really been on top of each other. But at the same time, I was very much looking after my son like a lot on my own in parks. ...walking around empty spaces, you know, it was just a weird time. Um, And then suddenly there I was walking down the street... ...and I felt like a teenager who had just got the keys to my parents' car... ...and I could go anywhere and do anything, you know, I was liberated. But yet at the same time, my heart actually hurt, like I missed him so much. I felt sick with worry about him started to like mourn the end of maternity leave which had felt very long and like a bit of a slog if I'm honest I wasn't loving my time away from work but then when it was done I felt a bit lost so I didn't know what to do with all this freedom And I was really happy that I had time for myself and really sad that I wasn't with my son. And I felt those things both equally, both passionately at the same time. And those feelings caught me really off guard. So this elation and this heartbreak all at once. So that's what I mean when I say this push-pull that we all feel. And starting childcare is just really a big change for a family. It's I just want to say if you're listening to this and your child is going to start a a childcare setting soon, I just want to say it's, it's okay if you're a bit anxious about it. It's really normal if you find the transition hard. It's weird new stuff and it brings up a lot of emotions for most of us which is exactly why I wanted to speak to Dr. Marta and hear a mental health expert take on separation anxiety, how it plays out, how it demonstrates itself in children and toddlers and babies. And what we can do as parents to manage our own anxiety around separation, but also help our children through that separation. So thanks very much for listening to this episode. And um I hope you enjoy the interview with Dr Marta. So Marta, thank you so much for being here today. Um in your Instagram bio, I love that you write that tiny uh, tiny humans need connection, not perfection, which I just love because I'm a hugely imperfect mother myself, but also it's very much aligned with what I am all about as a holistic sleep consultant. And I know that a lot of um, mainstream sleep, baby sleep, toddler sleep advice is to seek separation from a child in order to promote sleep. But I actually find that when we focus on finding the connection supporting the relationship between the caregiver and the child actually sleep often improves as a result of that. So I think connection is such an important part of the whole picture of parenting. Obviously not just sleep but but everything and it, and it plays out, doesn't it? Um in lots of areas at night time and daytime. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So before we kind of go any further, I wondered if you could explain a bit exactly what what is separation anxiety, you know, what what does what is separation for a little person? Yeah so
1: separation I don't like the term separation anxiety but of course that's the term that we (laughs) will use. Um, The reason why I don't like the term just to start with that is that it sort of implies that it's a problem and I guess for me anxiety on separating between a child and a parent or a safe adult should be expected rather than it's a problem and I think that would that's the beginning of it in some ways, like a conversation about connection. It is about kind of, you said something like one of the first things that you just said to me was really powerful because there is this expectation in society that what we should be doing is Mm -hmm. separating from our children. And, you know, independence is very much valued in our society and like the narrative around, you know, separation at bedtime, but also separation Mm -hmm. during the day. But actually, you know, step one for me is to really think about the fact that anxiety on separation is normal. Mm. Because for me, separation anxiety, that, you know, that that not wanting to separate is a part of development. It's something that all infants, so babies and toddlers and children and teenagers and adults, we all experience it at Mm. some point. And what does it look like? It looks like some, you know, finding it really hard to be away from parents or loved ones. So you might see this through behavioural outbursts. Um, It can come across about kind of like, it can look like a big um, expression of distress. It can look like worrying. So on slightly older children, it can look like, but what if, what if? Um, So lots of questions about what would happen when they're Mm -hmm. separating. It can look like refusal or resistance to leave or to leave home or to let go at the school gates. Um, And yes, it shows up at night. So it often looks like difficulty falling asleep Mm -hmm. on their own or sleeping Mm -hmm. through the night. And sometimes children also experience kind of physical symptoms that might look like signs of illness, but are not illness. So it might look like tummy aches or headaches or children sometimes describe pains and aches that make their body feel really bad. Um, So that's kind of what it looks like. But I guess as a parent, what it feels like can be like incredibly painful to witness your child not wanting to leave you when you need them Mm -hmm. to separate and I think that's where that difficulty comes from that as adults as parents we might hold an expectation that our child should be able to do this and actually sometimes that's flawed because sometimes when you just accept that your child is not going to want to leave your side it might change how you then respond to that because you won't you don't necessarily feel like what's wrong with my child you can see it as of course, you find it hard to leave my side. You're not supposed to leave my side.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I really one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is because I saw on Instagram you talked about how you don't like the term separation anxiety, and I, <laughs> and I feel the same no. because when I talk to new parents about their little one sleep, I, I sometimes I can see like a look of like alarm when I use the phrase separation anxiety because you don't want to feel like your baby is anxious it kind of almost pathologizes it or creates this yeah like you say like it's not a natural thing or that they've done something wrong or yeah that their baby's going through some form of mental health crisis you know or that they're doing something part of it so I feel like it would be nice to have a better term or a better understanding of of how normal and okay that is
1: yeah Yeah. absolutely
0: Uh, yeah I think that's so interesting about how it can play out in the body as well um again I think as a society we just we're starting to be more aware of of, of the connection between our, our brains and our bodies um but I don't think we often apply that to children or at least people in my kind of parenting circle in life don't either um so that's fascinating yes oh in children like, they feel
1: where their entire bodies because their brain is still obviously developing and wiring itself in terms of understanding what the world is about and creating meaning and they feel with their entire bodies so it very like feelings we often think about feelings as being in our minds and obviously the brain is very much connected to how we Mm -hmm. you know the feelings that happen but we feel with our bodies and we often feel first and think Mm -hmm. second so and that is particularly true with children so yes it is held in the bodies it's all happening within their bodies. And then they're trying to create sense and meaning with that, with their words, but also with the response that they receive from the adults around them. That's what creates a meaning about, is this okay to be feeling this? Is it wrong? Is it scary? Is it safe? Like all those messages come from how we interpret their distress and the message we reflect back, um, which is why it's so complex, I think separation and separating from your child. And there is, you know, for me, it's all about nuance and balance and that can be really difficult to bring across. Um, But, you know, there is a difference between overprotecting your child to never leaving them out of your side, which is also not good for children because then the message is, everything is unsafe unless you're around. And just wanting to like, you know, separate either too quickly, too soon, too fast, you know it's about finding that right balance and i would say the right balance is unique to your child and your relationship with your child it looks different for every family like you know the right kind of separation whether it's daytime or nighttime and what that looks like and what it feels like in practice you know in real time it's really different like so for me there's also something about again expectations on ourselves and also on each other when we look at other parents and other families that what they're able to do and what works for them might not work for us and that's not because we're failing or there's something wrong with our child or something wrong with us it's often because that's just different children have different needs and they don't all sleep the same and they don't all need the same thing to be okay in separating if that makes sense
0: some babies are just a little more sensitive aren't they or they just maybe display that separation anxiety in a different way to how another child would would you say that's that's true absolutely
1: absolutely and some children you know it's do Mm -hmm. with temperament but of course it's also to do with children's experiences of the world which start as soon as they're born Mm -hmm. right and for some children um they need that extra bit of safety, maybe because something's felt unsafe before, maybe because they've been poorly. So if I think of like my own daughter who had really bad silent reflux and was very unwell, you know, the idea of being separate to her um, on the longest stretch, which Mm -hmm. is nighttime. It's like the biggest separation Mm -hmm. you have from your child, Um, the longest, and that also sometimes I know adults; we struggle with this. We say like, "But you're in bed and you're safe and you're asleep." <laughs> <laughs> but, but to a child, that is huge. They know; they close their eyes; they don't see you; they yeah. don't feel you. Yeah. You're gone. You know you, and they don't have permanence built in their brains when they're little. But you know, if I think of my daughter, that she couldn't separate for a long time, and it wasn't right for her body. She needed comfort, and she couldn't bring that comfort to herself. And I knew that there was like an an additional layer if you like because she felt pain in her body every time she had a feed she was in pain um so she needed holding up there was no you know there was nothing else we could do um and for other children who don't have silent reflux, maybe are very well physically throughout their infancy they might be, be very comfortable lying down once they're a little bit drowsy they might fall asleep with just a gentle hand on them that was never going <laughs> to be my that. child <laughs> so yeah but it's it's not the comparison track is also really mm-hmm. difficult isn't it as parents like why can't my child no, be I like know. that what am I and doing it's,
0: wrong <laughs> it's
1: really hard yeah it, often you're not doing yeah. anything wrong you have to you know sometimes it's so hard you have to go with the flow mm-hmm. and focus on your child your relationship with your child that yeah. connection yeah. right what does my child need from me my child is not my neighbor's child who falls asleep mm-hmm. like that so peacefully my child is a different child who has a different yeah. need and they change so much. right yes. like I would actually say my daughter's probably one of the best sleepers yes. I know now yeah,
0: my son's the same. Um, I'm really sorry you had that experience I had a similar one myself and that's kind of how I became kind of involved in the holistic sleep world I suppose and that um, everyone was telling me to let my son just cry it out but because he had been in pain so much I, I I, couldn't I you know I didn't know what. I also didn't know what was a pain cry what was an emotional cry I just just everything in my body just said yeah. no he cries enough already he doesn't now need to be left even if it's for two minutes or three minutes or however long the, the book says I should time it for it's like he doesn't need any more separation he needs he needs me and i i need to respond to him as well but it, it's too distressing for me to not do that um yeah you know that what you've just said for me is like the key which is you yeah. felt it
1: right like in your gut you were like this is not right and even if you don't know the difference between distress and pain it takes time to mm. learn your child's mm. signals it takes a long time just to hear it and then you can't un- ever unhear it again (laughs) but it takes a long time it's about following your instinct which I think for many of us it gets kind of uh what's the word I could use like muffled by all the noise of all the you know the parenting books and other people's advice and sometimes you have to say well I just need to focus on my child and what do I think they need and even if you get it wrong that doesn't matter because you did it based on what you felt your child needed and yeah yeah, you know the crying it out method is not something that I'm aligned to at all in any whether it's bedtime or daytime you know I don't believe in just leaving a child to cry on their own No, because they if they don't self soothe, that just that's that's an adult idea placed on children that they need to learn to self-soothe I know so many adults who don't know and cannot self-soothe <laughs> um we don't we use things to comfort us we do just shut ourselves in a room and go now I'm going to self-soothe like what is this mystical idea about yeah. self-soothing that doesn't it's about emotional yeah. regulation and that develops
0: over yeah, time and, you know it can be really hard to co-regulate your child when you struggle with your own self-regulation I mean I I don't find it easy to calm myself down all the time you know like I'm not this like perfect then you know enlightened being you know like it's difficult and and my, my son's emotions bring up big things for me and particularly around separation and yeah. I think that's just a huge trigger point for so many people isn't it because it's just one of these yeah, just core fears in life, isn't it, of of separation or, or just things that are hard it's hard to process separation, isn't it? Yeah, it is hard to and I think for for us as
1: adults, like it is hard because sometimes as a parent you do need space. And I heard you say, you know, you're not perfect. Yeah. I don't I don't know anybody who is. No. I'm not either. You're just yeah. you're just a human. Yeah. You know, and like again, i mean this is something i do say to people sometimes even families i work with like just because i'm a psychologist doesn't mean that this is all easy for me Mm. because i'm i'm still a human experiencing my child as another human if that makes sense and separation is also hard because it's about us right what does it mean to leave your child and for some of us that can be re-triggering something in us either from our childhood or from our adulthood you know like I don't want you to think I'm abandoning or rejecting you or and separation is important Mm -hmm. it's important that children experience separation as well as the connection of your safe return but again it's about how much can your child tolerate and with whom Mm -hmm. and you know how does it work for each child that looks different for each of us um but, yes, I think separation has lots of connotations, and in adulthood, I often think how many of us like to be completely on our own, sleep on our own, like how many of us like to sleep in a double bed on our own?
0: yeah,
1: um I would say most of us don't,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, even if when we're like single parents, there is that sense of loneliness at nighttime that comes up. Mm-hmm. Like nighttime brings up lots of things mm. for all of us, it does, right? and the fact that we think we can disentangle that from children is just really unrealistic.
0: Absolutely. I was just thinking, you know, often when I'm working with a like an older client with an older child, maybe a two or three year old, a kind of verbal child, um, something I like to try and remember is that um, you know there's a lot of focus in the kind of in the in the in the parenting books about how to f- make bedtime better. But actually um I, I try to focus more on the and the other hours of the day. So thinking about well what, what is the separation looking like at the other points of the day and how are we managing that because I think it's very easy to hone in on right what's happening on bed at bedtime. Am I you know am I giving yeah. a massage or am I reading stories at bedtime? And those things are lovely and great for bonding and absolutely you should make bedtime as much about connection as possible. But I think it's easy to forget what happens in the rest of the 24 hour period and how that actually will impact at bedtime and the night and the naps and the rest of it
1: absolutely I think the way I think about it is imagining I often think of our bodies a bit like batteries or like tanks mm-hmm. where you know you you pour energy in and you pour energy out and there's things that fill us like both us as adults and our children they like fill us with goodness whether that's rest or joy or I often talk about just looking at nature and you know seeing something that connects you to the outside world and to the world like all of us right as humans natures a very collecting space i think and i often talk about that but there's things that fill up our tanks and there's things that deplete us and for me it well of course it's exactly the same for children mm-hmm. there are things that are depleting to them where they're like expending energy whether that's you know little babies they do that whether it's reaching for toys or looking at very stimulating things or being in a stimulating space where there's lots of people running around or, you know, cries or in the shops or whatever it is, that's going to take out of their energy because their brain is looking and learning and focusing. And then there's things that fill their tank up. And for little ones, infants, toddlers, it is about collection. It is about you, but it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour of sitting together and feeling like really close Mm -hmm. sometimes it is like the power of touch is amazing and that is something that we do in the evenings when we do a massage if you can do that now like you could do it during the day Mm -hmm. like briefer um with not the intent of putting to sleep but the intent of just connecting bonding Mm -hmm. and you know I would use I love the summer because I think it offers more possibilities. Use putting sunscreen on your child as a moment of connection.
0: Use, yeah, Yeah. yeah. like,
1: you know, you you shower them in sunscreen, right? Like, do it. Even if you just do their hands and their face, do it with that intent of really look at them, really massage, really, like, talk. Same, changing nappies. Mm. Like, it sounds so simple because it's something that when you have a baby, you're doing, like what four five times a day more
0: um, an hour that maybe is a,
1: yeah that is a moment of connection between you and your child and the more your little one protests, they go through that phase of protesting taking it off and putting it on mm-hmm. that again can be a real opportunity for you to be like let's make this connecting let's make this about you and me not the nappy mm-hmm. because getting them dressed like to me getting getting my child dressed has always been a very connecting time mm-hmm. I think it's just become a little bit of a ritual between us. And I think my daughter feels that and she very much likes it. Um, and it's fun and it's playful, and I make noises when I put on trousers or leggings or whatever. Like different items of clothing make a different noise when you know I put them on. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that evolved and it's become silly and playful, yeah, but important. But it came from the fact that she didn't like having her life changed so I tried to make it fun and playful but that is connection when you do lots of those little bit it's not just play of course play is connecting but it's not just play it's things like this
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's also everyday things like going to a shop and showing your child what you're putting in the trolley not just shopping mm-hmm. and I know we're busy but you it can be done like, look, I'm going to pick these tomatoes. Do you like these tomatoes? Do you want to smell them? All those things, it's interaction with your child. There's a to and fro. It is the beginning of communication. It helps children with language. It helps your child understand that your relationship is around all the time Mm. in everyday moments, not just the play. And, you know, we're doing a game or we're doing does that make sense it's not just those specifics it's every day it's because our relationships as human most of them are in the monotonous every day Mm -hmm. so how can you create a little bit of connection in that which can also feel less pressurizing for parents and less draining it's going to fill your tank Mm -hmm. to fill your child's tank i promise it really does When we feel connected to a child, they feel that. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to bedtime, all the bedtime routine, which is really great because it's predictability, Mm -hmm. but all of that just becomes a bonus because their tank is full. And when their tank is full of you, they can let go more
0: easily. what would you what would you say therefore to a parent who's feeling really really touched out worn out they've they they know how important connection is they're really there they're they're doing everything for their child all the time you know maybe carrying them constantly co-sleeping all of these things right it's exhausting work and they want to boost this connection but they need a break and sometimes that can feel that you just feel really torn about that don't you
1: yes I think you definitely need a break if you're touched out you need a break And your mental health as a parent, as a person, is critical to your child's well-being. So if you're feeling touched out, like you need space, and you're aware that your child needs connection, but they don't need you 24-7, like they don't, and you need your space too in order to be able to connect with them. That's, you know, that to me this is so critical that you really need to be well within yourself so that might mean finding support for somebody who is another safe adult another safe person who can connect with your child and this is really important so attachment is not just about you you know children build multiple attachments with people that is really important that also helps children become flexible it teaches them about different relationships it's so important which is kind of goes back to what I right at the beginning I was saying about it's not about over protecting it's about letting go and coming back so you need to let go as a parent and if you are doing all of those things like holding you know wearing your child the whole time and then co-sleeping and blah 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 and it's too much really think where can you find some balance here yeah. your child's not going to come to harm because you're looking after your mental health they won't yeah. your yeah. child may it might be an opportunity for them to learn to connect with somebody different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you have a very little baby and you're worried about that, then it might be about gradually building a relationship with another safe adult, whoever that is, you know, it might be, uh, you know, a ch- a child, I'm going to call them a childwinder, but you know what I mean? Like a professional yeah. person that you, you know, you pay to help you look after your child could be a partner. If you have one could be a family member, could be a neighbor, could be anyone, somebody that, a friend, somebody that you think I want you to be a part of this child's life, either to help me or because you having a relationship with my child is important too. Use it, do it, don't feel bad because it's so important. You can't fully connect with your child when you're depleted. When your tank is empty, it needs to be filled up fast, like it has to be. Um, and I think with sleep, that's also critical. Mm-hmm. You know, sleep deprivation is real, and yeah. you really need to sleep and recover and rest before you can give your energy back to your child.
0: Yeah. And so, would you? What kind of tips would you give for a, a, per, a, a you know a family to to help that separation? You know, saying saying goodbye, for example, that's a that's an important part of it, isn't it?
1: For- yeah, absolutely. So. I guess, I mean, it's all age specific, but no, you know, no matter how old your child is, I would always, always say goodbye
0: mm.
1: when you leave. And that's not just when you leave your house and, you know, or you're leaving them, it's also when you are out of their sight. So mm. if you're getting up for a minute and you're just moving to another room, you're going to the toilet. And I do, I do say this, try as much as you can as an adult, as a parent to go to the toilet without your child. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's difficult. Yes, they will become upset, but they're not coming to harm. And they need to also learn that there are things that you need to do in your own space, and your own time. That is a mm-hmm. really important thing for children to learn. And then again, it becomes predictable. Oh, okay, When well, my mom goes to the toilet. She goes on her own. Yes, she yeah. does. She needs some privacy. You don't <laughs> need to be with your child every moment. You don't. And actually, it's really healthy not to be. So say goodbye. Even little ones who are not quite verbal yet, you you know, let's say going to the toilet. I'm going to the toilet. I love you. Bye-bye. I'm going to yeah. be back. So always with the I'm coming back. And then when you come back, you state, I'm back. Mummy's here. Big cuddle. Doesn't matter if you left the room for one minute or five minutes or half an hour. It's the goodbye and the return that teaches your child. When you say goodbye, I don't see you, but then you always come back. Mm -hmm. And I think lots of parents find the goodbye very difficult because children do learn that goodbye means I'm not going to see you, so they start to cry. And tolerating that distress is something that as a parent you do need to learn to do, both with compassion to yourself. Like, it's okay that you find it hard and you need to kind of be gentle with yourself rather than being like, Why won't they just stop crying? What am I getting wrong? You're not getting anything wrong. The Separation is hard Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Like it's hard and it's okay. It's a both and situation, not an either or. Mm -hmm. And allowing your child to cry as long as, you know, they're in safe hands or they're in a safe bedroom. I used to leave my daughter in her bedroom and say, mommy's going to have, you know, going for a wee. Or sometimes I used to have a shower, a Mm -hmm. quick one. She would cry. I mean, she was old enough, by the way. She wasn't a tiny newborn. (laughs) Just so we're clear. (laughs) I would not leave a newborn on their own. I would only leave like a toddler. Yeah. And in a very safe space. Her bedroom was very safe. She had toys. She was fine. She'd cry, but she'd cry as a protest and then she'd play. And I had a video so I could hear her, even though I was in the shower. She would be totally fine. Totally Mm -hmm. fine. And then I always come back. So, That goodbye and coming back is really key. So that would be step one. And do it in your own house. I still do it. I say, mommy's going upstairs to get X, Y, and Z, bye-bye. And then I come back. And she knows. Like, it's no longer this big, I don't see you. It's, yeah, I know what you're doing. I know why you're leaving. But that makes it so much easier when you then transition to a nursery, a childcare setting, because your child gets it. And even though they cry and they get distressed, they know they have that safety, that that safety starts to be built in through your communication and your actions that I don't see you and I'm, I'm upset because I miss you, but I know you're gonna come back. Even when they can't verbalize it, that be, starts to become something predictable. They know you're returning because you always do, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: So for me, that would be step one about separation. And the second one would be about doing it gradually if you can. So, you know, little moments of separation are really important. It's about being good enough, not perfect, mm-hmm. not perfect. So, yes, do separate. Obviously, with tiny newborns, you want to keep them in sight, always. Um, you never want to be too far from from them so you can keep an eye on them and make sure they're safe. But as they start to, like, sit and toddle, and you can but mm-hmm. the separation might just be a physical separation. So you still have eye contact, but they're sat playing with their little toys. Move. You know, it's OK. Give them that experience of I can be separate and I can be safe and my mommy or my daddy or whoever it is, they still return to me. So for me, it's about very gradual steps. And like I said, it's unique for every child and family and I would also say it's really important that you look after yourself as a parent if you find the separation really difficult then you need to look after yourself and really gently curiously wonder what does it mean to be separate mm-hmm. from your child is there something that makes you feel unsafe like is it you know what is it what is it like when you're not with your child what does it like what are, what do you worry about what needs to be in place to help you feel safe because I think that can also happen. Um, mm. You know, I was very, I was very much anxious about leaving my child in a childcare setting. And I knew that was my anxiety. So it was really important for me that she did not feel it. So I had to work on myself in terms of she's got food allergies and there's things mm. going on for her that I feel you know somebody might not manage the way I do. And some of that is about letting go. And that's yeah. part of our process, right? As parents, that we support our children, we guide them, but we are slowly letting them go little mm. by little. But sometimes some of that is about focusing on your needs and saying, what do I need to make this safe for me? You know, what, what actions do I need to take for me? And what actions do I need in another, like a member of staff or a professional, whoever it is, family member that you're leaving your child with what do I need them to do to make sure that I can trust and I can build that trusting relationship that they're gonna look after my child if that makes sense
0: yeah
1: so I think it's you know it's layered isn't it like everything there's no simple answer and what yeah. you need is going to be different to what somebody else needs but sometimes you do just either pause sit back and think am I trying to separate too quickly and who is that for is it for me is it for my child is it because I need space is it because you know they really need to learn to tolerate some distance from me and then what are the things that you need to put in place to support those steps to feel manageable tolerable for both of you
0: yeah I think I worried when I dropped when when my settling my son into childcare, I think I worried that if I didn't show that I was upset about the separation, you know, I didn't want him to think that this wasn't a big deal for me, that I didn't love him, you know, that I was like, Yeah. But at the same time I wanted him to feel safe and that it wasn't a big deal, you know, so I think some parents worry about like, should I show them my distress or should I kind of show them it's okay? And I, I felt really conflicted about that. But in the end I kind of decided I was just going to like be really confident and encouraging and smile with him and reassure him that way Um, and it seemed to be all right in the end but it was hard it was hard to hide that emotion myself
1: yeah and I I guess again there's no right or wrong in what you've said I Mm. heard you say about that dilemma do you show the emotion Mm. or do you show strength they're both okay they're both totally okay responses it's about what you do with it and how you communicate it with your child so it sounds like you chose to try and be strong and communicate safety I would always communicate safety to a child when you're leaving them but if your emotion comes up and mine has sometimes I'm quite like you know I will show my tears will show easily yeah I will explain my tears with words to my child so that then don't feel distressed by me because what you mm-hmm. the message isn't I'm crying because this is a scary moment for both of us (laughs) okay the separation is also intolerable for me that's not the message the message can be I'm crying because I'm going to miss you lots and I love you very much but you're going to be safe and I'm going to be okay and I'm coming back so the message can be I'm showing emotion because this is also hard for me and your child just sees you as a human and that's really nice we're not robots Children should not see parents as robots who just do and look strong and able. It's really good and healthy for children to see that we are humans who feel. And that mm-hmm. that really teaches kids that it's okay for me to cry. You don't think I'm weak or there's something wrong with me, they're just tears. So if you're able to do that, show your child emotion and say, being apart is really hard. I know, I feel it too, I love you so much. That's what my tears are about, how much I love you. But you're going to be really safe here and I'm going to come back and I can't wait to give you a cuddle. Okay, have a lovely day. I love you very much. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Even if there's some tears, then that's okay. Your child won't leave with a sense of my mum is, you know, falling apart without me. <laughs> so maybe yeah. I should never leave her side. Your child yeah. might be like, you feel this too? That's nice. Yeah. Like, that's nice. Again, that's connecting. Yeah, It's about how you frame it. And even if you are like, no, the separation is intolerable to me, how can you communicate that in a safe way to your child? Your child doesn't need to know, you know, and now I'm going to sit in my car and just cry for 20 minutes. They don't need to know that. What they need to see is you have emotion because you're human, but you know that where you're leaving them is safe. So the, reassure- the strength needs to come from You are safe and I know you're safe and I'm confident in that. And I know that's okay. And that's the only reason why it's okay for me to leave you here because I'm also going to come back later. You know, we are still together. I think that's the really important bit. That if as a parent, you, you show emotion, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to hold it in. Show it. Just make sure that you communicate it in a way that feels reassuring and safe to your child. So they don't feel responsible for your emotion. They just see you as a person, which is really important. Tears are so important. Tears are a communication and they need to be released by you and by your child. Crying does not is not harmful to children. Crying is a release and actually biologically, hormonally, tears can be really soothing so they can be healing so Mm. sometimes when children cry it is a relief and a release and it's really important to just let it happen so I often say rather than trying to stop the tears I do say this a lot one of the things that is really important to communicate to children is to say you can cry you can cry as much as you need to and I would also say that on a separation Mm. so when you give your child permission to just let it out. Like in that moment when you're separating, leaving them somewhere, you can say to your child, yes, I know it's really sad that our mommy's going to have to say goodbye in a minute. Cry, darling, keep crying. Cry for as much as you need to. It's okay. I'm still here. I love you. I'm coming back. You need to allow your child to release because that is really important. And when you often give permission to cry, children often will stop When they're ready, because they Mm. no longer feel like they're not allowed to do something. It's the same with us when we hold stuff in. It's often much harder because you're trying Mm. so hard to like Mm. shut it down. If you just say, "I can cry for as long as I need to," your body will just do what it needs, and often it stops because it doesn't need it. It doesn't need to express it anymore. Does that make sense?
0: It totally just that. So don't
1: be scared. Don't be scared of your child's tears, and don't be afraid of your own either. I, I think our society does try and shut crime down, see it as a really important communication and as something not to be afraid of
0: does try to shut it down but what I find also fascinating is that it I've seen kind of sleep trainers use that argument or, or what the what you've just said as a way to explain why children why babies crying alone in their rooms at night is a good thing as well so it's it's like like it's saying we want to leave babies to cry it out but adults to never cry it's a really strange paradox to me yeah so
1: Just to be clear, I'm not (laughs) saying No, I know you're not, but I just want to know. Yeah, that is really interesting, but absolutely not. That is so it's about crying, like you're there watching them cry, and you're just saying, release, it's okay. Or if you're leaving them, they're crying with another, like hopefully a caring, empathic child professional who is trained in you can find these people these people exist I promise Um, who is trained in kind of saying I'm going to look after you and you can cry and of course you miss your mommy and that's okay so you're not abandoning them alone in the dark you know in a room that isn't the same
0: experience as having somebody witness your crying they're two exactly. different it's like, things. It's like we were saying at the start, you know, they can't soothe themselves. They need to be no. soothed by an adult. So it's okay to ha- be upset about things. Um, but that doesn't mean that you need to, you can't teach them that self-soothing. Um, but I just think it's interesting that I've seen sleep trainers say that crying is a good thing. Therefore, you should leave your, your child to cry cry for yeah and then oh. it's like an hour at night and it's um it's I that really it's, breaks my heart
1: yeah. when you you know crying is good for our brains just so that's clear but if yeah. you're crying in distress on your own is a communication of help they're saying help yeah. me so crying is good for our brains but it's a communication so it needs mm. a response it's not about crying for the sake of crying yeah. i hope that makes sense but i really breaks my heart when information is just taken out of context because that's exactly what that is that's taking yeah. one piece of information in isolation of the context of what that yeah. means um which is that crying is a communication that needs to be heard not ignored they're two different things um so yeah. having it heard means allowing it to happen you don't need to fix tears you just need to witness them see them allow them but that doesn't mean you ignore them two different
0: things (laughs) definitely this is the problem with sleep baby sleep is an unregulated industry and everyone can be an expert and you can read one article online about tears being good and just twist that to um, a more lucrative narrative but anyway I'll leave I'll leave it there (laughs) before I start ranting oh such a pleasure talking to you it's been great thank you Marta thank you so much okay lovely bye Hannah bye bye